A reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 37. When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary, God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, How will this happen since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's Son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman, who was labeled unable to conceive, is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As we begin this season of Advent, and as I mentioned, it seems as though we've been living through Advent, constant waiting for the last nine months waiting for things to reopen, waiting to be able to come back together in worship, waiting and longing and sometimes hoping, but hope is a tricky thing, isn't it? Hoping can get fatiguing. The song that's been running through my head as I've been thinking about this sermon for the last week has the line in it, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. That song fills me with longing for the breaking of a new day, a day when things are not so challenging, when the news on the radio isn't stories of people losing their jobs, of going without food, of being harmed or discriminated against because of their race, when the stories that we listen to and see are not stories of folks being downtrodden, torn apart by war and famine and plague, by 25-mile-long swarms of locusts. That weariness in waiting, the fatigue of not being able to see your friends and your family, as we've just spent this week not doing the things that we normally love to do for Thanksgiving, Friends, hope is challenging. 
to continue to carry hope, to live and work, seeing the light that hasn't dawned yet, knowing that it's coming. That's difficult. And in the story that we read about today, often called the Annunciation, we see Mary being introduced to this new life that she is stepping into, a call to have hope, to see the light, but in a very dark moment. I want us to consider this story as a call story, similar to other call stories in the Old Testament. And call stories are the beginning of stories, right? It's the first step, the moment where the angel of the Lord or the Lord God's self speaks. And those who are being called are asked to respond, not knowing how things will turn out, not knowing the next steps. They're asked to have hope in the face of fear and unknown and uncertainty. Before we turn our attention to Mary, I wanted to remind us of some of those call stories. Moses was keeping the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flocks beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then God said, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Another call story comes to us in the book of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty. The hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings, and two, with two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of God's glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. 
that I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. And God said, Go and speak these words to the people. When we come to the story in Luke's gospel, we read that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth and to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary and the angel came to her and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him reign over the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born. Therefore the child to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth is in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her, who it was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The story of Mary and the angel is a call story. We often, I think, because of when we read this story in our calendar year, end up focusing more on Jesus and on Jesus's birth. And maybe because Mary is a woman, or maybe because she is Jesus's mother, she doesn't get a lot of attention often in Protestant circles. There is a desire to avoid the worship of Mary. And so oftentimes we don't talk about her actions as we might other saints, as we might talk about Moses and Isaiah. And yet we see that this is the same type of story. Mary is greeted by an angel and told of what is to come in her life. And what I find so interesting in this passage, particularly this year, is the focus on fear. The command that the angel gives, which in Greek is only word, one word, do not be afraid. And I have to imagine, if it were me, and I was being told as a 13 or 14 year old, that I would bear the Son of God, I would be afraid. I would be afraid not only that suddenly an angel has come into my home, but I would be afraid for what society would say about me. Would I be left by the man who is to be my husband because this child is not his? Would I be ostracized by my family, by my community? Would I be left in a position of not having shelter or food? 
what would happen to me? What would it mean to bear the Son of God in the world of the Roman Empire? What would it mean to bear the Son of God in a world that probably would think that I was crazy? How do you tell your friends, I'm about to have a child? It's not Joseph's, it's God's. And one day my child will save the sins of his people. It's not exactly the dinner table conversation that you imagine would get you invited back. So these fears of physical distress, of not having shelter or food, are compounded by the fears of psychological distress, of not being believed, of being shut out and isolated. And as a 13 or 14 year old girl, she's told not to be afraid. And I don't think that that's said in a sense of cruelty or um, minimizing the experience that Mary has, but it's a call to not be paralyzed by fear, a call to live in hope, a call not to be paralyzed by fear, but a call to live in hope. And that's, my friends, seems to be the call for us today. We each have received a calling, maybe not as grand as Mary's, but certainly a calling to live in this world as the children of God, to live in this world being bearers of a message of peace, of hope, of generosity, of compassion, love, care for the widows and the orphans and the immigrants, the strangers. A message of preaching this good news that Jesus came and dwelt in a human body to know fully the experience of us, that we can have relationship with this God, that God knows us that intimately. We are called to bear this message into a world and we may not be believed. And it may cost us a great deal. We may be put into uncomfortable circumstances with our family, with our friends. They may be shut out of certain circles or left on the periphery. We may be asked to give generously of our time and our things, to share the food of our table, to share of our money and our time, the things that we have in our homes to clothe and to feed our neighbors. Especially in this season of Advent, we are called to live as those who are waiting for a new dawn, who are waiting but not passively, waiting and doing and working for the kingdom of God because we believe that one day we will see a new kind of light, a new kind of kingdom where everyone will be cared for and seen and loved where the mercy and the justice of God will reign over us all. That's my prayer for us, friends, that we would be able to move through this season 
without being paralyzed by fear. And that the hope of this calling, the promise of a future inbreaking of light, would fill us up, would shine through us, would enable us to move through the challenges that we each face. And Lord knows there are challenges, challenges to keep going, to stare at that pile of dishes in the sink that just keeps coming every day, to figure out how to use technology to connect with people in the absence of being able to see them face to face to struggle with the deep darkness that this season has brought out. Darkness in the form of racism, in the form of gaps in the ways that people have and don't have in our community. We have had the privilege of not being forced to wrestle with many of these dark truths in our daily lives. And it's fatiguing. It is grating to have to continue to live in this way of wearing a mask, of not being together in a sanctuary. We all miss it and long for something different. I felt when I drew this passage, or when I selected this passage, I have to admit I had my own frustration a frustration of having to talk about hope in the middle of a pandemic. I think this is a word for me as much as for anybody else, that fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of very real obstacles, drives us into a place of reflecting on ourselves and on our circumstances and can keep us from being able to move forward. Fear can cause us to live in our anxiety, to keep us from trying something new, for stepping out into the unknown, to make a change. Fear can keep us caged up. And the best example that I've seen of this has been over the last eight weeks. I had the distinct honor of being a part of a group at Knox called Dialogues on Base. And each week we gathered with between 12 and 16 folks to talk about this curriculum, to hear the stories of our black and brown and indigenous brothers and sisters in the church, to hear their experiences, to see what is often overlooked or missed in a predominantly white congregation. And I was so, so grateful for the vulnerability and the honesty of those that shared their experiences and their stories. For the honesty of sharing, not knowing that some of these things were happening. The honest wrestling with, well, what do I do with this information and how do I move forward? And I'm so grateful that those conversations didn't stop because of fear because of fear of what others might say or do, fear of retribution in relationships. But they led to fruitful conversations, a moving forward, a thinking together about what the next step might be, however small that next step might be, 
the embrace of hope kept fear from shackling us. My prayer, brothers and sisters, is that whatever fears are holding you this season of Advent, may the hope of the gospel, may the hope that Mary showed, enable you to have the strength and courage to say, here I am, Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.